You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. So we've got a lot to cover today. Um, I'm planning on covering kind of from A to Z what happened at the Combine yesterday. We've got a little bit of news to cover before that. But um, everything from quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends is going to be my number one priority because those are the guys that did the measuring and the, the, the tests and all that kind of stuff. And I just want to keep everybody up to date on, um, as best as I can, what happened. It's kind of hard to keep up. Plus, things were going on after I went to bed. So I tried to real quick flip through Twitter, see what I missed, um, tried to catch a couple little tidbits of interesting information. Um but I did lose the battle with my alarm clock this morning, so I'm 40 minutes late to the jump here. So we got to do rapid fire, try to get through some of this stuff. So again, we'll start off with some news and notes. First of all, um, Tony Pauline is there listening to some stuff that's going on on the ground. According to Tony Pauline, the Packers are currently meeting with Preston Smith's representatives at the Combine. They're trying to get something done there. So there's a good chance we're going to be getting some news relatively soon about Preston. Doesn't mean they're going to reach an agreement, but, you know, they're pushing pretty hard. Usually, you know, the team gets what it wants and they'll, they'll work something out. I was going to play the Matt LaFleur interview, but again, for the interest of time, I'm not going to cue that up. But um, basically the only real interesting takeaway, he was asked, you know, what young players or whatever are you looking forward to kind of seeing a little bit more of? It was interesting to hear the names that he chose to go with. Mostly, although he named pretty much everybody on the team, um, the the only interesting thing for me was where did his mind go to first? Because he's obviously going to try to list everybody, but he's trying to gather up names. But there's still going to be something that came to the forefront of his mind, right? It's sort of like that ink blot test or whatever. What's the first thing that comes into your mind? And the first thing he jumped out and said was Josh Myers. He went on to list Amari Rogers. Uh, he said he's looking forward to Rashawn Gary taking an additional big jump. Which again, I mean, you can you can list a bunch of players. The fact that Rashawn Gary has already grown, and the third person that comes to your mind is Rashawn Gary, who's already one of your better players in terms of who's going to improve the most. I mean, he didn't say AJ Dillon or Aaron Jones or Devonte or uh, Darnell Savage or even Jair. No, he went right to Rashawn after listing two rookies from last year, and then he says Stokes. Um, he also had a really good. Uh, quote about our new special teams coordinator. We'll have to save that for another day, though. Um, It was announced yesterday that all the COVID restrictions, or at least almost all of them, I'm not really sure. Let me just read this. All 32 teams were informed today that the NFL and NFLPA have agreed to remove all COVID-19-related protocols. Mandatory testing is over. Wearing tracking devices is over. Being around everyone is back. So this is just kind of the the way things are going right now. Um, 
Obviously, in some parts of the country, some parts of the world, this has been a thing for kind of a long time, but um, a lot of bigger industries as well as some states like New York, California, whatever, um, have been holding on to a lot of policies, but even they are starting to roll them back. California and New York, I think, recently announced that they're going to be removing masks from schools and things like that. So this is the direction we're headed. And um, in my opinion, it's taken way too long, but uh, at least we're finally starting to come around to obvious information that all of this is not useful given the current situation we're in. So some will cling on to this forever, but the fact that the vast majority of the country and even uh, larger industry is is reading the tea leaves, because you got to understand, entities like the NFL don't generally care very much. They just kind of care which way the public winds are blowing. And if they thought there would be a lot of backlash, or if there was still massive support for masking and hiding and all this stuff, they would absolutely still be doing it. Despite their claims of following the science, they're not. They're following public opinion. And public op- opinion has shifted, and so here we go. So, good news. Oh, here it is. I, th- I, I was looking at this other Pauline article. I'm like, it's not here. I must have lost it, or I thought they deleted it or something. Anyways, found it. I put it in a different spot. Um, talking about the possible Devontae Adams sign and trade possibility. Here's what Tony Pauline had to say. Last week, I reported the Las Vegas Raiders and Jacksonville Jaguars are two teams that will be on the market to acquire Adams if he makes it to free agency. I can confirm this is the case, as both are among the half dozen teams who would make a push for the receiver, in fact, if, in fact, he hits the open market. And as I said, Devontae Adams is going to have a much hotter market than Aaron Rodgers would. Doesn't mean you get more compensation because he's not necessarily as valuable. It's just a matter of uh, the quantity of teams that would love to make a push for Devontae Adams. He goes on to say the latest rumor making the rounds is a tag and trade scenario where the franchise tag is applied to Adams and then he is traded to the Raiders. Las Vegas would then sign Adams to a large deal that he desires. He goes on to say if Rodgers returns to the Packers in 2022, the expectation at this point is the Packers would work to get under the cap to franchise Adams with the intent on keeping him. However, the other interesting note, because none of that is super surprising, we know tag and trade is an option. That's two names that apparently have emerged of people who will be very aggressive and also the information that if Rodgers stays, the Packers are going to do everything they can to keep him, to keep Rodgers happy, which is also stupid if I may continue to interject here, because if Aaron Rodgers doesn't stay, that gives us all the more reason to keep Devontae, because we're just going to have more money and more uh, freedom to do so. However, another bit of interesting information, should the Jaguars lose out on Devontae, the expectation is they will turn their attention to a different Green Bay wide receiver, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who will hit the free agent market in a few weeks. That's interesting for um, a couple reasons. Now, maybe he's not saying that the Packers aren't going to resign him. He's just letting us know that in a couple weeks, if a deal doesn't get done, he will hit the free agent market. But that's not what he said. So we can fill in the blanks for him and assume that he just didn't phrase this very well so that we don't cause a panic. But he flat out said MVS will hit the free agent market in a few weeks. Those are his words. So we'll see. I don't know if he meant to say it like that or not. Um, And then there's also still some pretty conflicting reports. Um, According to Pauline, the Broncos are willing to give up a massive haul for Aaron Rodgers. I know, again, this isn't really news, but it kind of is. It's sort of just an update. Again, the the, the very high probability, and I'm sure Pauline would even uh, corroborate this, is that the Packers are going to bring him back. But the, the other question is, if he is going to be traded, What does his market look like? And according to Tony Pauline, the Broncos are willing to give up a massive haul. Now, there was somebody else on Twitter that said that 
they saw the Broncos are no, not willing to give up a big haul, so who knows. Um, but anyways, finally, in other news, and I just one of the things I happened to catch this morning as I was perusing Twitter, um, at 11 o'clock last night, Aaron Nagler tweeted out, Reps for Jair Alexander met with the Packers yesterday to talk extension per an honest-to-goodness source. Nothing imminent, but decent chance something gets done prior to the start of free agency. See, the other good thing about the Combine is stuff has to get done right now. And so you have players and coaches and GMs, and granted, some people did decide not to go, but generally you're going to at least have GMs that are going to be at the Combine, right? But all these teams have to get stuff done, so they have to meet with players' representation. The problem is you have to meet with these guys in pretty public places. You don't have Lambeau Field to go to. And so you have the entire NFL world everywhere. I mean, it's funny. You got guys just bumping into people everywhere. You got everybody's taking pictures with everybody. Everybody sees everybody. Everybody knows everybody. It's a, it's, it's a really cool environment, especially if you know who people are and what they look like. You can just walk around and be like, oh, dude, that's so-and-so. I mean, at like Starbucks, which apparently is a, a hot place to go. But the point is, a guy like Aaron Nagler or somebody else sees Brian Gutekunst with Jair Alexander's you know, agent or whatever, and you can kind of just put two and two together because, again, a deal has to get done. Now, you could maybe try to do it over the phone, but I don't think that's how that's going to work, especially when you need to get something done immediately. It's like, why don't you come down here and we're going to just, we're going to knock this thing out. We're going to get this done. Plus, it's just a good place for agents and things to get things done because they have other clients. So they can, you know, carve out an hour with Goot and then they can go over and talk to this guy about this other player that they have. But the point is, somebody's going to see you and then that word is going to spread because it is just gossip central down there. So Aaron Nagler, he's, he's you know, uh, rubbing shoulders with people down there. Somebody mentioned it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So somebody that knows who his agent is saw him with Goot or with somebody on the Packers and kind of just put two and two together and told Aaron, and there you go. So some more not super surprising news, but good news. We're headed in that direction. It sounds like they're working hard, and I'm sure they're doing a ton of work on other things. They're working hard with Aaron Rodgers. They're working hard with, you know, I don't know, Amos and maybe even Zadarius a little bit and all these different things. But um, it's good to get confirmation that some of these, at the very least, are probably going to get done soon. Anyways, we're going to take an early break because that's the end of the news and I want to be able to just rip through what happened at the Combine. So let's get this going uh, nice and early here. We did get an update on the Jamie and Carter Carter GoFundMe. I want to read that for you. Um, Again, we're still making really good progress on that. They are at $8,100. So um, I see four donations as of uh, the last 24 hours. So anyways, the update says we are beyond blessed by the generosity of all of you who have donated to help our family during this time. We all have a long road ahead of recovery. Jamie has had a total of five surgeries, and Carter has had C2 spinal fusion and been intubated since the day of the accident. They are both making huge strides toward their recovery. Any donations are appreciated to help get through the rest of this hard time. Thank you all. Feel free to share the updates. Okay, I will. Again, um, Jamie and her one-year-old middle child, Carter, were hit head-on in a car accident and had to be taken flight for life to the hospital. So um, we are providing funds to help Cody so that um, he can kind of travel back and forth and probably incur some medical expenses we can assume. So um, any amount of help is going to be beneficial for that. Again, we're also raising money for um, Drew to be able to get his seizure service dog 
He also provided an update. This was a few days ago, but he said, uh, today is my 35th birthday. Thank you to all who have supported me. Today's a great day to share the fundraiser and or support in any way you can to help celebrate his birthday. The pups are all doing well, by the way. I'll leave you a picture of Toad. So there's pictures on there, by the way, if you're a um, big dog person or whatever, which I used to be until we got a dog. Suddenly, I don't like dogs anymore. <laughs> I thought I was the biggest dog person in the world. In the world, And apparently, I grew up and was like, nope, nope, not my thing anymore. But anyways, these are some good-looking dogs, and um, if you want to go check that out, I encourage you to do so. Don't forget about amodernfrontier.com. You can go get yourself some meat. Just had somebody send me a message yesterday saying theirs arrived, so that's awesome. But go check it out. Use promo code MEATPACKER. That's one word, all caps. I hate to keep inundating you with more stuff, but uh, Goose has been one of the biggest supporters of this podcast, um, and his wife just launched a new website, so if you'd like to check it out, they actually sent me some free stuff, a, a teething ring for my daughter when she was having some issues. Um, so that was very, very generous. I told him I would help him out. Go check out mercyandme.ca. Actually, I'm reading the messages. You're probably not going to be able to get in until Saturday. There is a code to be able to get in and look at it, but it is a very complex password if you want to reach out to Goose. I'm not going to read it over here, but um, I'm going to say that now because I might forget. But as of tomorrow, you're going to be able to see mercyandme.ca. A um, lot of really cool stuff on there that's uh, sort of handmade. Again, Goose has been a massive help with a lot of things that we've been doing around here. You've heard me mention his name because pretty much everything I do, he's he's one of the first in line to be able to uh, jump up with being able to help in some kind of a way. So anyways, why don't we take a break? I know that's a lot of stuff, but we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's start off with the quarterbacks. Uh, I contemplated not even covering the quarterbacks, but there is some relatively big news. What I did um, is I just took down the top, I don't remember what, maybe top 100-ish quarterback. Basically, I just went by kind of by name, right? The the top guys and, and ones that you've maybe probably kind of heard of. Um, at wide receiver, I took the top 100 because there's a billion wide receivers in the top 100. And then at tight end, I took the top 200 because there's not nearly as many. And then as, as a few other names popped up that were not in there that kept coming up and kept being talked about, I had to add their names. And it'll be interesting. I'm not going to delete my notes here because I want to see where some of these guys end up because there's some people that are going to launch themselves real comfortably into the top 100. And some of these guys are probably going to fall out, et, et cetera, et cetera. But anyways, starting at quarterback, the the ranking was, and here's the quarterbacks I took notes on, Kenny Pickett, number one, then Matt Corral, then Malik Willis, then Sam Howell, then Desmond Ritter, then Carson Strong. Let me just say this confidently. Kenny Pickett will not be the number one. Let me just see if he's already dropped. It's going to take some while for the consensus to kick in because other people have to upload uh, their big boards, their mock drafts, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm just curious if this has already moved. So it has changed a little bit. Um, let me just tell you what I think is going to happen. First of all, Kenny Pickett is going to f- completely fall. Um, after that, you're going to have uh, Malik Willis not only jump Matt Corral, but he's going to jump Kenny Pickett. I think Malik Willis is going to be comfortably the number one quarterback going forward. Not only that, we may have our first real talented, or how should I put this? We didn't have a guy that was projected to go necessarily in the top 10. You know, it's always possible because even though, you know, Kenny Pickett, for example, is rated the 12th best, according to this big board, he's a quarterback, so we may go earlier. But you may have, you may see Malik Willis very, very soon just ranked inside the top 10. And so then you start asking questions, depending on how high he goes, is somebody going to take a swing? Could the Detroit Lions possibly actually take a quarterback at two? The, the consensus has been absolutely not because nobody's worth it. But we'll see how, how much this hype train for Malik Willis really goes up because he nailed everything. Again, we'll get into the specifics in a minute, but um, you know that's a question. Um, the Houston Texans, possibly the New York Giants at five. They've said they've committed to their quarterback, but we'll see. Carolina at six. The Giants again at seven. If they don't take a quarterback at five, would they double back and maybe take a look at him at seven? The Atlanta Falcons at eight. Denver Broncos at nine. I mean, it, it, the more I look at it, the, the more it seems impossible he even makes it out of the top 10. So again, we'll see. Maybe this is just kind of uh, hype. And, and at the end of the day, his film just isn't good enough. But the, the issue with Kenny Pickett, and it's been his issue for a while, but there wasn't anything official, was hand size. Now, the interesting thing is, Everybody was making fun of his hand size since forever, right? It's a big running joke. He's got small hands, whatever. But usually you look at those things and you say, it's not that big of a deal. It's an overblown thing. Here's the thing, though. One of the things you can do at the combine, one of the the main factors is you can draw these lines and say anything above or below these lines is disqualifying. And those things do exist, and you can make exceptions. But when you fall below these, these markers, they are massive red flags. The line, apparently, for quarterback hand size is nine inches. Now, I'm sure if you're just a shade under it, you know, you still trip off that flag, but maybe we can look the other way. There's a couple nine-inch hand quarterbacks that are okay, but Kenny Pickett was at eight and a half. 
He is a half inch shy of the line that is nine inches. If he gets drafted, which assumingly he will, he will have the smallest hands of any quarterback in the league, and he fumbled 26 times in college. Somebody compiled a list of all the quarterbacks with hands under nine inches since 1999. Kevin Davidson, Connor Holliday, Tyler Wilson, Zach Thomas, Jordan Lynch, Dustin Vaughn, Brandon Allen, Jake Fromm, Kyler Shermer. The only name on there that you probably know is Jake Fromm, and that's only because he was drafted recently. Not because he's good or even playing, because he's not. So six foot three, 217 pounds, but small hands, and, and there's just no way he doesn't fall. And also they're looking at teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers, which were seen as a great landing spot for him. He plays for Pitt right now, so they just thought it would be a great matchup. But, you know, cold weather teams like Pittsburgh are going to look at it and say there's no way. Maybe a dome team might take a shot at him, but I can't imagine a team taking him in the first round based on that. What team is going to say, this is our this is our absolute franchise quarterback? I, if anything, it's one of those things, you, it's kind of like a Russell Wilson situation where we love the guy, but I mean, he plays for Wisconsin and he's really short and I just don't think he meets those thresholds. I can't take it. He ended up going, what, the third, fourth round? And he tore it up, right? He overcame those things, but he still didn't go in the first round. I'm not saying he's going to drop to the fourth. You know, he might be a second round guy, but I think he just plummets as a result of this. Um, Matt Corral didn't do anything at the combine, but he did measure six foot one and five eighths, 212 pounds, nine and five eighth inch hands. So his hand size is completely fine. I think he more or less flat lines. It's just a matter of where does he go respective to everybody else. So I think Malik Willis is going to jump him. Many people thought Malik was better than Matt Corral to begin with. I'm just going based off of the consensus big board here at um, NFL Mock Draft Database. They compile. They, he does exactly what I used to do for years, which is look at all the big boards, compile them, and then um, come up with one consensus big board. Um, since he started, I don't have to do it anymore. But uh, Malik will or already has jumped Matt Corral and will jump Kenny Pickett very, very soon. And I think Kenny's going to fall behind Matt Corral. But the bottom line is Malik Willis, For the, the, the first thing is this note that I got here. Malik Willis has blown teams away with his interviews at the Combine. It's a continuation of his impressive Senior Bowl. So you got to remember, blew everybody away at the Senior Bowl. Great, great human being that the teams just absolutely love. He's killing it in the interviews. Of the teams I've spoken to, the overwhelming majority believe he's got the highest ceiling of, the, of any quarterback in the draft. So highest ceiling, great interviewer. Then Twitter caught him... Um, Somebody was at a cafe or something and took a video of him helping a homeless guy. It looked like he got a ton of like free swag. He was opening up his suitcase and was handing him some stuff that was all kind of like wrapped in plastic. I'm guessing he gets tons of, you know, Nike and Adidas and all kinds of stuff that he, you know, it's just he gets swag. And he saw this guy who was homeless on the side. He just started throwing clothes at him. It's what it looked like to me. So, you know, now there's a video of him helping a homeless guy. Now, if you're a cynic like me, you kind of wonder, you know, you know, all eyes are on you. Eh. Maybe he was kind of thinking he knew that this was going to get out. Whatever. He still did it. Nobody else did it. I've never heard of anybody doing it. So he gets bonus points for it either way. By the way, he measured in six feet, um, 290, or six and a half feet. Not six and a half. What am I trying to say? Six foot and one half, I guess. 219 pounds, 31 and three quarter inch arms, and nine and a half inch hands. Um, and then there were some videos of him throwing at the combine. He's got one beautiful, beautiful deep ball that everyone is getting super excited about. So basically, it's it's not even, I, I think maybe there's there's a little bit of overhype for Malik. I don't know. But the biggest thing for me is that he just checked every single box. And as much as that's a lame thing to say, that's really just it, right? 
all the things you're concerned about with the medicals and everything else, you just kind of go down the line and he, he gets high marks on everything. High marks on athleticism, high marks on his throws, really high marks on his interviews, high marks on consistency, right? Great senior bowl, great combine, great person. Everything down the line just says this guy's got everything we need. And again, as somebody pointed out or mentioned, highest ceiling, which is not a bad thing to have because when you're going to draft a guy in the first round, you don't want a guy that's you think has a high floor, but not necessarily a high ceiling. You want a guy that could maybe be Pat Mahomes, maybe could be Russell, maybe could be Aaron Rodgers. Otherwise, and I'm not even going to bother looking. I mean, I could look up for some notes on Sam Howell and Carson Strong. I didn't see anything. But the other really big uh, thing that blew everybody away was Desmond Ritter. And I, I think some of this was relatively expected. Um, maybe not to this degree, but everybody knew the guy was a freak. But he ran a 4-4-9. Um, he says that would be the fastest uh, 40 time of any active quarterback. Now, that's a little bit unfair because you got guys like Lamar that didn't run at the Combine, and I have to assume that's why he's saying that, or he's just flat-out wrong about that, because I know there's some other really fast quarterbacks, and 449, I don't know, I'd be surprised, but pretty sure Lamar is in like the 4-3 range, but he didn't run at the Combine. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he was just Googling, or actually, this is NFL's actual account, so maybe they're just looking at the official list of active quarterbacks, and that was the highest he could find. I don't know. Bottom line is, guy is blazing fast, right? Uh, Kentley Platt, who does Math Bomb, provided a little bit of extra context. Uh, Desmond Ritter with the best vert and broad of, of the quarterbacks, including one of the best broad jumps by any quarterback ever. As predicted, he's crushing the drills. Wish he'd have run two, but have to wait until his pro day for that. That's obviously not true. He says Desmond Ritter put up the second best broad jump uh, every, I'm guessing he meant ever, by a quarterback. Three players had a 10-8 broad jump, only two tied Ritter's 10-7. So, um, he had a 36 inch vert and a 10 foot seven inch broad jump. So yeah, he, he is an athletic freak. Now the question is, is he going to be moving up and down the boards a ton as a result? Or was this kind of known information? I don't really know. Um, he hasn't leapfrogged Sam Howell at all yet. Um, he hasn't really moved at all yet, but again, after this, you're going to see a bunch of boards coming out and these guys are going to be moving. And so my prediction is going to be Malik Willis, number one, then probably Matt Corral, number two, unless Desmond Ritter makes a big jump up. But that would be a massive jump because he's currently at 41, Matt Corral's at 26. So my assumption would be Malik Willis, Matt Corral, then probably, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how far, how far again, Kenny's going to fall. Probably not a ton at once. So he might, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't be super surprised if Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter do end up going before Kenny Pickett. Um, I also put Carson Strong on here, but there's no news about Carson Strong. And again, I'm not going to go digging for it because it's quarterback and we don't care all that much. Um, I think I'm going to leapfrog wide receiver, go straight to tight end because there's less news about tight end. However, I will say this. Um, this was, from my perspective, a really kind of boring draft class because you're looking at it and going, there's just not... I just don't feel the hype yet. And maybe it's just because the combine hasn't hit, but there's just not a lot of prospects you look at, especially prospects that the Packers could possibly get. You know, the the really hyped up players are the guys that we know are going to go early. You know, Evan Neal and uh, Aiden Hutchinson and et cetera, et cetera. We know those guys. But even if you look at like the top wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, it's kind of just meh. You know what I mean? He's not this dominant elite super freak. And, you know, you look at the linebackers, they don't have, and granted, we're not going to get a top 10 guy anyways, but the point is there just isn't though that level of 
super elite top end talent, and it just makes it feel like it's a weak class. the The problem is, though, or or the 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 important part of that for us is that although it might be kind of light on the top end, it's kind of solid for everybody else because you look at guys that are in the the mid range in the first round or the late round or even second third round guys. These guys are crushing right now. Tight ends and wide receivers, just from a depth standpoint. Now, a lot of these guys are going to move up the boards because of what they're doing, but not everybody can be top 10. Not everybody will fit in the top 20. Not everybody will fit in the first round. When you factor in, there's going to be some great performances by offensive linemen and edge rushers and linebackers and defensive tackles and safeties and everything else. A lot of guys are going to crush it. And so these guys are going to fall to the back of the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever. But they still have um, these 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 great performances, and a lot of these guys are are blowing people out of the water just in terms of how impressive they are. Now there were, there were two common themes. Number one, everybody's a lot smaller than than everybody thought, and everybody's a lot faster than everybody thought, which seems to be a common trend. I mean, it just seems like every year guys are just getting really really fast. I know there's well, well actually that's not we may have a new official fastest time. I don't know that last I saw it was still unofficial, but again we'll get there. Anyways. Starting off with our, our what was our top tight end, and I took track of where they were. So he was sitting at 50. We'll see where these guys end up. Uh, Trey McBride was the top tight end. I think that may change. Um, he did not test out very well. Now, I don't think he was expected to necessarily. Uh, Mr. Mathbomb says some folks worried about Trey McBride's testing, and while he's done all right, it's not that elite range that you'd want. And so, again, if you're talking about the top guy, you want to see something. And what you get is, um, based on what he did, and it doesn't look like he ran a 40, doesn't look like he did any agility drills, but six foot three, 246 with 18 reps on the bench is bad. He's short. He's not super heavy. So as a result, you would expect him to be fast, but he didn't run at the 40. Now, he's probably going to do that at his pro day, probably because usually at pro days, you know, guys can go a little bit faster. So that's the expectation is I want to blow people away with my 40. I don't want some combine 40 time. I want my absolute best. But point is 6'3", 246, 18 reps on the bench. He's not very big. His vert was graded as good. Um, out of 10, uh, his grade was a 6.29, a 33-inch vert and a 9 foot 9 inch broad jump, which was a 7.25 out of 10, which again is, is good, not great. So again, there's just nothing here that's super exciting about Trey McBride. Again, the the thing is, well, he's 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 a quick and he's quick and he's a good receiver. So that remains to be seen, but um, definitely not blowing anybody away with that. Um, after that, you've got oops, that's the wrong one. Jalen Weidermeyer. He didn't do anything but measure, but um, you got six foot three, two fifty five. Again, not super big. This is a guy, this is the first guy that we've talked about that has met with the Packers, and I'm going to try to remember to mention that as we go along. Some of these other guys probably have too, but we don't have confirmation of it, but the Packers did meet with Jalen Weidermeyer. Um, I will say, though, he's got a big red flag, and uh, let me show you why, because this, is, this, in my opinion, is just completely, completely unacceptable. Well, my favorite quarterback ever, he just left, which was depressing. Uh, Tom Brady, but... Uh... Of course, the uh, great ones, Pat Mahomes, Derek Carr, yeah. um, Stafford. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he's, he's trying to, li- he says Tom Brady's his favorite quarterback and then goes on to list all the greats and mentions Lamar Jackson and Matt Stafford. Uh, no mention of Rodgers, but Stafford made the cut and Lamar, who had a terrible year last year. 
I'm I'm half joking. I mean, it doesn't matter who he says his favorite, but you always want to nod to your. I mean, all the wide receivers when you ask them, you know, what what wide receivers do you want to emulate? They pretty much all said Devonte. And so when a tight end who met with the Packers, so it should be on the forefront of his mind, is asked about quarterbacks that he really likes. He doesn't even mention Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry. That's not great. Again, I'm half kidding, but, you know. Um, I don't have much, but but the order so far after that is Isaiah Likely, Kate Otten, and Charlie Kohler. Isaiah Likely came in six foot four, two 245, had a 36-inch vert, which is great. It's basically a 9. However, his shuttle score was a 4.57, which is a 2.26. He hasn't done any other drills thus far. So he doesn't have a complete composite RAS score out of that. Cade Otten, six foot five, two forty-seven, so relatively tall, kind of small. But again, I mean that's kind of the way we're headed anyways with tight ends. They're kind of looking for those kind of things. Um and then Charlie Kohler is kind of our first big guy, six foot six, two fifty-two. Not not necessarily weight wise, especially when you factor in his height, but um kind of a big guy, but that's all he did. Cole Turner is the first guy that has sort of a composite score. It's an unofficial score, but he's a, a RAS score of 6.83. Six foot six, 249, 17 reps on the bench. Again, 249, 17 reps, not fantastic. His vert was 27 inches, which is terrible, but his broad jump was 10 feet, which is great. So I don't know how that necessarily works itself out, but <laughs> the two explosion scores uh, give completely conflict, conflicting uh whatever. Uh, 40 yard dash 476 is fine uh, for a tight end. I guess it's not, it's certainly not fast, but it's acceptable. 20 yard split 276, 10 yard 165. So basically across the board, decent six to seven grades. And then his agility grade 441 shuttle and a seven three cone 706, which again is about average. So his overall score is a 683, which is pretty average. Jeremy Ruckert, I don't have anything on either, but he did measure in at six foot five, two fifty-two, and nineteen reps on the bench. So he's a taller guy, and then pretty average across the board after that, two fifty-two and nineteen reps. But again, no additional details on him. And then we get to our our first guy that kind of got some hype. Um, again, he's kind of down the board. Um, he ranks one hundred and fifteenth right now, but again, based on the hype, he may end up moving up a little bit. Um, He's got a 748 composite grade as of right now. Um, the first note we got on him out of Kent was Dulcich is one of the best tight ends in the class and ran like it. He ran a 46140, which again, for a tight end, is really fast. Remember, Robert Tunyon actually has blazing speed at 463. So for this guy to, to come in at 461, he's going to be one of the faster tight ends out there. Um, his 20 yard and 10 yard split also were, were right there. So. Basically, that just kind of gives you a, a gauge of whether he's fast right out of the gate or if he's more of a slower off out of the gate, but long strider. And, and he, he had basically exact 9.2, 9.2, 9.3 grades across each. So he's immediate, just off the line, just blazing fast. So measures in at 6'4", 243. So this is, we haven't seen a lot of guys run the 40. Um, so if you're 6'4", 243, this is what you have to show, right? If, if you're going to be that light, you got to move. If you're light and can't move, it kind of defeats the purpose. It's not like it makes your hands any better. If you're going to be slow and, and lanky, or not lanky, but slow and lumbering, you might as well just pack on 20 pounds of muscle and go block somebody. So his final grade, again, a 7.48, mostly just low because of his height, weight, bench. Um, six foot four, 243, 16 reps on the bench. But otherwise, his exp- composite explosion grade overall was great. 7.48 on the vert, which was a 34-inch vert. 10-foot, 2-inch broad jump, which is a 9.17 grade. And then you measure in his great speed grade. And um, 
athletically, he's doing fantastic, which again is what he needed to do. Now, I don't know how much that changes things. The, the reason I think there's going to be a lot of up more upward mobility, it may not change things on team boards, but I don't think everybody necessarily knew. And so guys that put together boards that are kind of just making stuff up, they're not watching a ton. When they get the official numbers, that's going to bump people up. So again, teams probably already knew and aren't super surprised by the numbers, but a lot of the guys creating these boards didn't really know about this and maybe are about to catch up. So probably a name that's going to move up the boards. But again, you've also got guys like Trey McBride and some of these other guys that are still going to run that are a little bit smaller. And if they can put up great 40s, then then they'll end up staying right where they're at. Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin uh, got an overall grade of a 5.85, so not super impressive. 6'4", 250, 15 reps on the bench. So again, not very big, not very strong. 31 and a half inch vert is a 4.4 grade. 9 foot, 10 inch broad is a 7.7 grade. So good overall size, good overall explosion, but not great, right? It's basically average and with some bad mixed in. Okay speed grade at 4.81. Split 10.79, 10-yard split 1.67. So 5.5, 5.4, and 6.2 grades. And then his agility grade, he had the three-cone was great at 7.03, which is an 8.2 overall grade. But his shuttle was a 4.48, which is a 3.7. So that even that balances out. So everything was basically pretty average for Jake Ferguson. And again, at 6.4250, you kind of hope he's faster than 4.81, but he's not. So you're kind of just relying on him going out and just being a good tight end, just fundamental right? You, you're a good blocker and you're a good route runner and you got good hands and you'll be fine. Like this isn't going to get, none of this is disqualifying. And again, that's a lot of what this is getting. It's not, it's, it's, it's more important to not trip any of the red flags than it is to, you know, have blazing fast speed. Now, again, he had a bad vert and a bad shuttle and a bad bench. Those are the three he really didn't do very well on. Assuming those aren't things that teams are really looking for in their tight end, he'll survive this. After that, we get to a tight end uh, by the name of Jelani Woods. He was sitting at 176, and then the combine happened. Um, Jelani Woods led all tight ends in the bench press with 24 reps. Now he just ran a 461. This is via uh, NFL's Twitter account. It says, keep your eyes peeled for this UVA football tight end. So massive hype out of the gate. Now, here's the thing to keep in mind, because it's like, well, somebody else just ran 461. 461 is blazing fast for a tight end, as I said. It's faster than Robert Tunyon, and Robert Tunyon is very fast. 461 for a tight end is crazy. Here's the thing, though. He is six foot seven, 253 pounds. This is a six foot seven tight end that just ran a 461. He can go into the NFL right now and probably be the biggest freak in terms of size and speed. By the way, his RAS grade is going to be through the roof. I have no doubt in my mind the Packers like this guy. <laughs> There's just almost no doubt in my mind. There's no report as of right now that the Packers have met with him, but um, that's pretty impressive. Uh, this is via Dane Brugler. Jelani Woods with an official 4-6-1 40-yard dash, large rangy target over 70% of his receptions in 2021, resulted in a first down or touchdown. Physical blocker, zero penalties last season. He's one of the top 10 best tight ends in this class. So again, this is a, a which by the way, top 10 doesn't mean anything. We, on this board, he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's, he's literally at 10. So, but he's also 176, which means he's not even close to being like a second or even third or even what, fourth round pick? I don't know. Um, here's what Jordan Reed had to say. He said, I wrote this about Virginia tight end Jelani Woods following the East-West Shrine Bowl where he had a great week. 24 reps on the bench, running 4'6", 140, 6'7", 243 pounds is impressive. The prospect that's continued to rise. Here's what he wrote. This, is, again, was a while ago. Um, 
where he'll likely be drafted early day three. So again, we're talking um, fourth round. Six foot six, 259 pound Woods. Again, this is before we got the official number. So he's taller than expected, which was unusual for this day. Uh, Woods is physically imposing player who could have been mistaken for an offensive tackle. He is a bit of a goofy mover, but his coordination takes over when plucking the ball out of the air. He catches the ball well in all areas of the field and is shown savvy as a route runner against both man and zone coverage. Recruited as a quarterback at Oklahoma State in 2017, Woods started 28 games for the Cowboys, mostly playing as a blocking tight end. He flourished as a pass catcher in his lone season at Virginia, catching 44 passes for 598 yards and eight touchdowns. He's still figuring out the details of playing tight end, but I expect him to continue to rise in this draft. After watching Woods move around, the player who immediately came to mind was Colts tight end Mo Alley-Cox. Both have basketball backgrounds. I mean, if nothing else, you could easily see him thriving as kind of just a gadgety guy. You know, I mean, it's, it's sort of like MVS where, you know, maybe he doesn't really clean up his route running, maybe all these things, maybe he struggles in these areas. But if the guy can block and runs 4-6-1, basically you can put him in line as a blocker and then on passing plays, you just send him. I'm not asking you to do it. Just run straight down the field. That's going to stress this defense. So just to have a guy that big and that fast streaking down the field is going to be ridiculous. So a lot of hype for Jelani Woods, again, sitting at 176. We'll see where he ends up. Let's see if he's moved at all yet. Um, no, he actually fell one spot to 177, but <laughs> whatever. Again, um, and he didn't actually fall. It just means somebody that somebody jumped him. But again, almost nobody has put out new boards yet. So we'll see how this all materializes over the next week or so. Um, after that, you have Daniel Bellinger. So... Um, this was the last guy that I took notes on. He was sitting at 188. There was nobody else inside of the top 200. Um, this note via Daniel Bellinger, San Diego State tight end Daniel Bellinger has been posting eye-opening numbers at the Combine and has been meeting with the Buccaneers. Bellinger, 6'6", 255, rocked 22 reps on the bench press and ran a 4'6", 3". Again, he's 6'6", he's strong, and a 4'6", 3". Again, that's, that's Tunyon speed. That is really fast for a tight end. That's size, speed, strength, all in one package, and tight end mismatches are all the rage in the NFL. This is notably a deep tight end group. His stats don't pop out, but that athletic combination is quite nice. Bellinger has met with the Buccaneers who might be in blah, 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 blah. Bottom line is, and again, we'll get to wide receiver immediately after this. We're, we're, we got one more tight end that I added to the list, but this made me super confident that we're going to get a really exciting tight end. It might be Bellinger. It might be Jelani Woods. It might be somebody else. But we're going to get somebody, and we're going to probably be pretty excited about it. And I think we're going to be getting a wide receiver, and we're going to be excited about it. Because, again, it's not just, you know, there, there were times in the past, pretty much every year, basically, where you look at the tight end class and say, there's like one or two really exciting guys in the first and second round, and if we don't get them, I don't want them. And you know the Packers aren't going to do it, so I don't really like any of these guys. Anybody, you know, probably starting in the mid-second round or later, I don't want them. You're looking at this class going, there are third, fourth round, maybe fifth round tight ends, and I don't know why they would fall this far, that have tools that you just have never seen. I mean, th this is generational type talent. I mean, guys with this athleticism rarely exist, and they may have some shortcomings in terms of their understanding or just their 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 um, play speed, play understanding, all these kind of, maybe they're, they're going to be guys that aren't going to really get it in year one. It's going to take some time to develop. I don't know, but there's some really impressive guys. And that's not even including guys like Trey McBride and Jalen Weidermeyer and all that stuff who obviously are up there that high for a reason, really talented, really well versatile. You know, you've got the 245 pound guys that can move like wide receivers. Um, you, you, you got Ruckert who, you know, again, the Ohio State fans out there like JJ and whatnot are just swear by the guy that he was just used improperly. And if you put him in the right system, he's going to just destroy the NFL. 
So this is a great opportunity for the Packers to get a tight end where they don't have to go in the first round or bust. Um, finally, I did add one additional player here. This tight end was not on my list because he was ranked 356th. His name is Chigozium Okonkwo. Why did I add Chigozium Okonkwo? Well, and again, maybe this was somewhat expected, but the, the reason he's so low, he is a tight end that's listed at 6'2", 238. He's basically a uh, muscled up wide receiver, right? 6'2", 238 is just, I mean, it's a 1.2 and a 1.4 grade for a tight end. Very poor size. However, remember, 6'4", uh, 6'6", is pretty much blazing for a for a tight end, right? You could maybe compare it to like a 4'4", or something. I don't know. It's It's very fast. Chiguzium Okonkwo ran a 4-5-2 40-yard dash. He's faster than a good amount of wide receivers. That's, I mean, that's Devontae Adams' speed right there. That is blazing, blazing, blazing speed. One of the comps, actually, and one of the things that's actually interesting and why the Packers might even consider him is he, he kind of has the feel of, um, this was uh, Matub said, and he, he's ripping off Brett Coleman, but the point is, he says, he kind of reminds him of Juszczyk in San Francisco. Maybe instead of a tight end, he gets used as sort of a fullback type of player or an H-back, basically what we use Josiah DeGuara for. Juszczyk is six foot two, 238 pounds, identical, and runs a 4.52, identical, right? So he is Kyle Juszczyk. So again, we already have Josiah DeGuara, but would the Packers take a flyer on a guy like this and just try him out and see how it goes? Because remember, um, Josiah does not have numbers anywhere near this. I love, you know, I love Josiah DeGuara. I'm a big fan of his and, and just basically his understanding and, and having been in a system that was very similar to what Matt LaFleur runs, I figured it would be a, a natural fit, but um, these numbers are incredible. So again, kind of a, a gadgety kind of a situation. He probably will fall quite a bit because again, he's 6'2", 238, but I mean, this is a guy who's, as of right now, and we'll see how high he climbs, but we're talking about undrafted free agent territory. Here's what was said, um, a little note on him. Uh, Maryland tight end uh, Chigozium Okonkwo posted 454 on his first attempt, 452 on his second attempt at the 40-yard dash. Um, Okonkwo, 6'2", 244, impressed at the Shrine Bowl and has now started well at the Combine. He's on the shorter side for tight end, but that speed is no joke. He's got the fastest time so far by quite the margin. He's fast enough to be used uh, on screens at Maryland and posted a nice 447-yard, five-touchdown stat line in, in 2021. So one of the things I want to do, I do not have time today. I mean, we haven't even touched on wide receivers yet. One of the things I want to do is I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save all these notes so I can refer back to them, but I want to look a little bit deeper into what they were, were able to do in college. I was planning on that today, but I rightly assumed that that would take way too long. So we don't have time to really dig into that. But um, this is basically just what we saw yesterday. So let's very quickly now move over to wide receiver because we have more wide receivers than we had tight ends. The top wide receiver, which again, not really the most um, just impressive, freakish human being on the planet, um, but Garrett Wilson, 5'11 and three quarters inches, 183 pounds, wingspan 76 and a half, arms 32, hands 978. Um, and the, the, the thing is, 183 is small. Marcus Mosher posted this, and I, I posted it on several guys' um, uh, this tweet on several guys' notes that I had because it applies to a lot of different people. Here's what he had to say. Here is every wide receiver drafted in the first two rounds since 2000 that weighed under 185 pounds 
And he says every single one of them ran at least a 4.45 40-yard dash. So in other words, if you're under 185, you better run at least a 4.45. But on top of that, how many of these guys are just good football players? Tavon Austin, Ted Ginn, Santana Moss, Hollywood Brown, R.J. Sower, Dennis Northcutt, Todd uh, Pinkston, Eddie Royal, Titus Young, Paul Richardson, Deshaun Jackson, Rondale Moore, Roscoe Parrish, Tutu Atwell, Dexter Jackson. So there's, there are some good ones on there, obviously. Rondale seems to be off to a good start. Deshaun obviously is a very good football player. Hollywood is so far seeming to do pretty well. Santana Moss was solid. Ted Ginn. Um, but you, you have to have that at the very least. And so that is red flag territory. And again, to have a guy, and, and Garrett Wilson's fine, but he's not as talented as a lot of the guys we've seen in the last two years who are very top heavy. We had some guys that were just, you know, really, really talented wide receivers that were seen as top 10 prospects. I don't think, I mean, he's currently listed as the 12th overall prospect, and maybe he is because it's so light in talent at the top. I'm just, I I feel like if I was picking at number 10 this year, I would just be furious because it's just not very elite at the top. I just don't see a guy that's under 185 being the top prospect. Now, Garrett did run a 4.38, so the speed isn't a problem. I wasn't saying that he, he didn't meet that threshold, but it's just interesting to me that, you know, you, you've got several, I mean, you've got a lot of bigger guys in this class too, but you've got several guys that are under that 185 threshold. So um, it would be interesting to see if he does actually go that high, because again, on top of that, it's not, he doesn't even have the hype of like Tavon Austin. He doesn't have the hype of, of you know, a lot of these other guys that went real early that were that size. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying I'm, I'm somewhat expecting him maybe to fall a little bit. It's not that he's a bad wide receiver. I just don't know that he has that level of, of hype that a lot of these other guys do. Uh, Traylon Burks came in at six foot two, 225 pounds, 79 and one eighth inch wingspan, 33 and a half inch arms, nine and seven eighth inch hands. Um, you've got, uh, what do we got here? He ended up running a 4.5540, which is fine because he's a bigger guy. He's seen the sort of a Debo Samuel. You're not really, I mean, if he runs a 4.4, nobody's going to be mad about it, but that's not what people were expecting. So 4.55 speed, his three cone was 7.28, which is really slow. Um, his vert was 33 inches, which is also quite bad, but he had a 10 foot, two inch um, broad jump, which is fine. It's 6.9 overall. So he's a 6.31 um, athletic score. Again, it's not super elite. Now, not that anybody's expecting that, but again, we're talking, this is the top of the wide receiver class. Now, believe me, if he falls to the Packers and we take him, I'm going to be doing backflips. But the point is, if you're if you're in the top 10 or even the top 15 and you're looking at this, you're not necessarily seeing like a C.D. Lamb guy. Now, I wasn't even a big C.D. Lamb fan, but you look at what C.D. Lamb was able to do or um, you know, even guys like Justin Jefferson, you turn on Justin Jefferson and I, you know, I was concerned because he was mostly, he do, didn't really do anything as far as a deep threat. I wasn't sure if he was able to do anything but be a slot guy. But what he was doing, you know, they, they gave him a limited role, but what he did in that limited role was just unbelievable. And so I think it's just a little leery. But the, the, again, the point is when you get to the back of the first round, you're, you're just wide open. Because now if you're looking at it, Garrett Wilson won't make it that far. But if he did, it's like, dude, that's a steal. Traylon Burks, that's a steal. And then on top of that, and we'll get to it, um, depth. Lots and lots of depth. Lots of talent um, as you continue on through this wide receiver class. Here's what Kent Lee Platt had to say about Traylon Burks. Why the big difference for Traylon Burks in his runs looked like uh, to be a star. So his, his first 40 was not nearly as good, and so there was some concern in terms of why is there a big difference between the two. It looks like he kind of tripped on that first one. So his second time, in other words, his better time is, and, and this is kind of common knowledge, right? If you've got one bad time and one good time, there shouldn't any be any reason to say, well, which one is it? Well, obviously it's his faster time because it's, 
it's not physically possible to run faster than you can run, right? So 455, again, is, is completely fine. We'll see exactly what all these other scores amount to and what people have to say about it. Again, it really just comes down to what was the expectation prior to. If people thought he was a 445 guy and he runs a 455, he's going to fall. If people expected him to be 455, he's going to stay right where he is. Um, and he, he's currently sitting at 14. So it's pretty crowded. You got Garrett at 12, Traylon Burks at 14, Drake London at 16, Jamison Williams at 18, Chris Olave at 22, and then Jahan Dotson at 31. So it's very compressed between sort of that 10 and 20 range with, with Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Drake London, Jamison Williams, and Chris Olave. So very easy for these guys to start moving around in terms of where they're ranked. Um, it looks like there's a little bit of movement so far. Garrett Wilson is at 11. Traylon is at 15. Drake London at 17. Jamison, 19. Chris Olave, 23. Jahan Dotson at 32. So just about to fall outside of the first round. But again, most of this has nothing to do with what happened yesterday. Th- those updates have not even come yet, so it doesn't really matter. But the point is, that's basically where these guys are at. Next on the list, you do have Drake London. Drake London came in way shorter than expected. I just read an article here um, just two days ago. This is written by uh, Ted uh, Wen, I think is how you say his name. Is USC receiver Drake London too big? And basically, it looked at the fact that he was expected to measure at six foot five inches. And that the only guy that's even close to that that's any good is Mike Evans. And he's actually short of that. He's not 6'5". He's, he's under 6'5". So can he be too big, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Well, Jake, Drake London comes to the combine expecting to be a minimum of 6'5". He measures in at 6'3 and 7 eighths. He's not even 6'4". A 6'5 guy is not even 6'4". That's crazy. But um, again, it's not really going to hurt him. If anything, it might help him because there is such a thing as too tall. So I don't know why they kept saying he was 6'5". But 6'3", and again, I guarantee the scouts knew this. I guarantee they knew. I mean, if, if you're off by over an inch, I'm sure they were able to tell. But 6'3", and seven, eight, just call him 6'4", 219 pounds, uh, wingspan 77 and 3 quarters, arms 33 in, uh, inches, hands 9 and 3 eighths. Bottom line is he's still a monstrous human being, and that's all anybody actually really cares about. I mean, it's, it's kind of like if, if you kept saying you were going to run a 4'2'5", and you run a 4-3-1, I mean, you are pretty far off, but you reach a certain point where it's like, dude, you're, you're fast, right? I mean, it's, you know, you're not a 4-2-5, you're a 4-3-5, you're off by a pretty wide margin, but 4-3-5 is stupid fast. So you really didn't need to lie about that. Um, anyways, he didn't do anything else, I, uh, again, assuming he may do some things at his pro day or whatever, but that's it. He, he measured in 6-3-2-19, so... Um, Probably will not be moving a ton. He may, be, I, he may fall just because some people think 6'5 is some kind of a special thing. But point is, what I like about Drake London is what he does on tape. And, and to be honest, I was stunned at how well he moved at his size, probably because he's not actually 6'5. <laughs> now it's starting to make a little bit more sense. I mean, it's still hard to move like he does at 6'3 or 6'4, but um, makes a little bit more sense. Um, Jamison Williams, again, another guy that the Packers didn't meet with. I, I forgot to mention Daniel Bellinger, the other guy that ran blazing fast. We met with him as well. Um, Jamison Williams measured in six foot one and a half, 179 pounds, wingspan 75 and 70, uh, 75 inches, seven eighths, arms 32 and one eighth, hands nine and one quarter inches. I do have a couple sound bites of him. We'll play him very, very quickly here. 
Uh, just knock this out if I can get this queued up one of these days. Here we go. Two more months before we actually need to make that decision, and then you'll have a very good handle on where his rehab is. I'd be absolutely stunned if Jameson Williams does get past the Los Angeles Chargers at 17. Yeah, and I, I think agree. we had Dallin Jeremiah mm-hmm. have a mock draft recently where he had Jer- uh, Jameson Williams falling all the way to the Packers at like the back end of the first round in the 28-29 range. Like that, I don't think happens. Like that's a dream scenario for Green Bay with how good Jamison Williams is. And Mike knows that as well as anybody. I think 17. So again, I I just wanted to cue this one up because it kind of goes to exactly what I was talking about, right? Um, He's not, Jamison Williams is not a top 10 prospect. He's, he's got just enough flaws where you look at it and go, he, he's not like the elite guys we had in the past, but what did they say if he actually fell to the Packers? First of all, no chance. Second of all, if he did, it's a dream. This is why it's such a great draft for the Packers. I don't really, I'm not in love with the top, and I don't know why it even matters because we're never at the top, but I'm just not in love with the guys at the top. Even guys like um, Kayvon Thibodeau and, and um, uh, you know, Derek Stingley, I don't like at all. Thibodeau is, is, is great, but it's, it's kind of iffy. I mean, you've had guys in the past that are just so unbelievably elite, but the point is, it used to be in the past, I mean, every single year since forever, you got about 10 guys that are elite, and you just look at it and go, oh, man. This year, it's like, I don't I don't want to be in the top. Now, granted, those guys are better than the guys we're going to end up getting, presumably, but it's just not as top-heavy. But as you get past, like, the 15 range, the the talent stays high, and it just stays. And it stays and stays and stays. So it's like there's a a really low high-end, a slow drift down, and it's even, it just, it barely drops. It, it it depends on the position, but wide receiver and tight end, 100%. So again, this is another guy where it's like Jamison Williams. If he goes in, in the top 15, a lot of guys will kind of go, eh, I mean, I get it, but I don't know. But if he were to fall to the Packers, which at this point seems impossible, but again, there's only so many impossibilities, right? Well, that guy will never make it. That guy will never make it. That guy, somebody's got to make it, Right. <laughs> There's only so many guys that can't make it. In fact, there's 27 only. You get 27 guys to tell me that they will not make it. That's it. You cannot tell me 28. Anyways, here is Jamison Williams just confirming what I had said, that he had met with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I talked to the Packers. Uh, we had a formal meeting and everything. Everything was close to the Packers. So really hard to hear what he said, but he said he did meet with the Packers. It was a formal meeting. Um, he said it was a good meeting, and he hopes to stay in touch with the Green Bay Packers. So, so this is a good thing about having Packers representation there, because you got some people that ask general questions, and then it, it kind of cracks me up because it it seems so stupid and biased, but it's also exactly what we need. You got Packers guys that are down there that meet with with these players, and they're just like, "Have you met with the Packers? How did your meeting go with the Packers? What do you think about the Packers?" <laughs> it's, it's it's such like fanboy nonsense, but it's like that's that's literally exactly what I, what, what I want you to do. Like we as Packer fans should crowdfund to just send people down there to just be like, tell me about the Packers. Have you met with the Packers? What do you think about the Packers? Are the Packers your favorite team? If 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 not, why not? And uh, just tell me everything you know about the Pack. Where are the Packers? What do you think about living in Wisconsin? How how do you feel about cheese? Like that's that's all we want. That's that's it. Anyways, I got to pick up the pace here. Um, again, I added the Marcus Mosher thing. Because he's under 185 pounds, which again is going to drop him 179. I mean, that, that's low, dude. He's not even 180. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but that matters. 
It might it might not matter enough that the Packers would pass on him, but it might matter enough to get him to the Packers. So we got to see exactly what he does in terms of actually. And again, I don't know if he's going to run. I think he will. He had a pretty bad injury, but I think I've heard that he's planning on running at his pro. I don't know, but um, the point is, this is a guy that is not expected to make it to the Packers because he's way too talented. But yet, he's 179 pounds at six foot one. It matters, man. And there's there's so much other people that you can take for so many other reasons. And so I, I just, I'm, I'm really excited about this. Now it's entirely possible the Packers end up taking a defensive tackle and just pass on all this talent falling to them. But here's the other thing. The, here, and I'll have to do a little bit more work on this, but I know this to be true. The Packers very often take where the positions are heavy. Why? Because those are the positions where the talent falls the most. When we took Rashawn Gary, that was an unbelievably stacked edge rusher class. Why? Because in a different class, Rashawn Gary goes easily in the top 10. He never makes it to us. But when you get so much talent, some of those guys have to fall. And what do we know about the Packers? They take best player available. So whereas we didn't see edge rusher as the biggest need, it didn't matter to the Packers because a guy that had no business being there felt them. So I know we think there's no chance they would take a wide receiver. Again, I know that to be not true. The fact of the matter is in this class in particular, you're going to have wide receivers that have no business being at 28. And that's assuming we don't trade up, which is not a not an easy assumption to make oh my goodness i gotta hurry up whatever i'm gonna be it's well whatever <laughs> there there is a uh there, there's a good chance that there's going to be wide receivers that are way too talented that should not be at 28 or within range that are going to be within range i'm not saying i'm predicting wide receiver but it's it's lining up for me a little bit but on the other hand, you, you also have to look at it and say the Packers probably aren't super high on 179-pound wide receiver. Now, you can get over that. There's always exceptions to every rule. But for a team that really prizes itself on size, um, that really looks at especially you know mass, not just height, but you know they're concerned about guys getting injured and whatnot. You've got a guy that's already been injured that's light. That may be too much of a red flag. But even if we're not talking about Jamison Williams, we're talking about other guys. Um, anyways... Chris Olave. Um, here is Chris Olave talking about um, some stuff that you might be interested in, real quickly. Here, I didn't get the timing uh, I, exactly right. I really right. studied Terry Terry McLaurin, uh, like my older brother Devontae Adams, uh, Stephon Diggs. Boom! We got the sound clip. All right. So again, most of these guys did that. Um, tell me about the wide receivers you really like. He mentions Devontae Adams, but um surprisingly Alave who I expected to be smaller than a lot of these guys six foot and three ace 187 so he did crack that threshold again he's still right there though really small guy but 187 pounds bigger than some of the other guys we've been talking about um 73 inch arms 31 inch uh whatever I'm, I'm not doing we don't have time. I'm so I'm in fast forward mode anyways the interesting thing about Chris Alave he killed it with the 40 time the over-under, so, so again, it's all about expectations. Everybody knew he was fast, but the over-under was set at 4.33. He ran a 4.26. So everybody knew he was fast, but the question is how fast. They didn't think he was this fast. Now, again, when you get into that range of being, if you're expected to run a 4.3, how much does it move your draft stock to be a 4.26? It's a big, I mean, that's a big difference. But again, blazing fast is kind of blazing fast. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But... um I have to assume, if nothing else, he's going to move up the boards. From for, from a team perspective, maybe not, but as far as um, you know, the media goes, who, who loves hype, I think he he climbs a little bit. But um, he also did a he had pretty bad vert and a decent broad jump. Um, 
32-inch vert was a 2.6 grade. His broad was 10.4, which is 7.99, which is fine. But again, the, the vert was real bad. Obviously, 187 is not ideal, but the speed is, is really where it's at for him. And so he blew that out of the water. And again, it's one of those things where, you know, he's, he's not perfect. He's got some flaws and all that. But to have a guy of this caliber that could very easily just fall right to the Packers. Why? Because there's so many other guys. And, and again, you can only say so many times, he's not going to make it. And we looked at tight ends and you say, these guys are all great. And you look at the wide receivers and go, these guys are all great. And you think it's only going to be wide receivers and tight ends. Do you think offensive line are not going to blow people away? And defensive line and some of these edge rushers and everything else, I I think they will. Um, Jahan Dotson, another guy, once again, um, 178 pounds. He's 5'10". He's really, really small. Here's Jahan Dotson making a... a, uh, You know what? Maybe I don't have this queued up properly. It doesn't really matter, but I took the time to do it. Here we go. Here's the proper veterans that he started. Oh, just watching tape, uh, watching guys like Devontae Adams. Bam, got the clip. All right. Um, Again, as I said yesterday, everybody studies Devontae. But Jahan Dotson, um, 5'10", 178, really, really small. That's a problem. However, 4.43 speed. Now, (laughs) it's funny because I remember back in the day when we had guys like Jeff Janis, uh, that were like 4-4 four, four guys, like 4-4-2, four, 4-4-4. Four, 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 four. And it's like, we have so much speed on our team. Now you look at 4-4-3 four, four, and it's like, meh. 4-4-3 four, four, is really fast. Jahan Dotson, don't get me wrong, very, very fast. But there's just so many guys running 4-3s and 4-2s these days. It's kind of ridiculous. Plus, we got tight ends running 4-5s. But um, the problem is his size was real bad. His three cone was a 7-2-8, which is a score of a 2, which is real bad. Um, his vert was 36, broad was 10-1, which is fine. His So his explosion is fine. His speed is great. Overall, 4-9, or excuse me, a 5-9-6 RAS. So n- probably not uh, getting the Packers all worked up, but it's it's an option. Again, I, th- I think he's way... I've never been big on Jahan Dotson. And in fact, there's probably a lot of guys here that the Packers aren't going to be super interested in between uh, Jamison and Olave and uh, Jahan Dotson. But, but again, if some of the other teams love this, if they love Garrett Wilson, if they love Jamison Williams, if they love Chris Olave and Jahan Dotson based on their speed, that's going to help us with guys like Traylon Burks, Drake London, and some of these others. Um, anyways, David Bell is the one guy that I was looking at that kind of felt like a Packers pick because he's 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 got a good build. He doesn't really have a lot going for him. He just he fits like a Devontae does. That doesn't mean he plays like Devontae, but that was kind of my first thought is it's it's an underwhelming guy that nobody wants to talk about because he's not tall, he's not fast, he's not any of these things. Um, apparently, though, it was just not a great day for him. Uh, according to Kent Lee Platt, he says, David Bell has been losing ground before the combine. Numbers like this are not going to help him get back on track. 6-1-2-12, he posted a 33-inch vert, which is a 3.7 grade, a 9-10 broad jump, which is a 4-5-4 grade, so a poor composite explosion grade. Um, and that was before he did anything else. David Bell then went on to run a 40-yard dash, and he ran it in 4.65. I'm sorry, but he just crossed a, a, a no-go line. Uh, 4.65 is terrible. He will not be drafted in the second round. Um, his speed grades for the 40-yard dash was a 2.8. 20-yard split was a 3.4. 10-yard split is a 3.8. His agility grades... 457 short shuttle is a 0.64 grade. His three cone is a 714, 3.46 grade. Very poor. He has a 2.7 overall RAS score. He will not be drafted in the first round, second round, probably not in the third round. He is going to fall tremendously. Tremendously. I mean, just just take him off your board. He's gone. 
So, so much for my Devontae Adams comp. <laughs> but again, he was expected to run in, you know, the low 4.5s-ish, maybe mid 4.5. 4.65 is terrible. Unless there's some serious medical stuff going on, in which case he never should have been running. Maybe he just shouldn't at all. I don't know why he did this. But this is real bad for David Bell. So, no bueno. Then you got George Pickens, who uh, a lot of people are very, very excited about. Um, got a couple clips for George Pickens. The Packers have met with George Pickens. I'm sorry, yeah. Have the uh, Packers showed any interest in you? Uh, yeah, I also uh, did a few informal informal with the Packers, too. Uh, their, their scheme is real nice. I mean, they got a lot going on with, you know, MVP of the league, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae. They already got a, a nice fit for their team. So, Again, kind of hard to hear, but he was kind of bragging up the Packers. He said he had a formal and informal meeting with the Green Bay Packers. He really likes their scheme. They got Rodgers. They got Devontae. A lot of people falling in love with George Pickens. I mean, the media is falling in love with George Pickens. Packer fans are falling in love with George Pickens. George, JJ reached out to me yesterday. He said he's got his, uh, I think he said, first official draft crush or whatever, George Pickens. Um, you know, he, he comes out bragging about the Packers, similar to what Amari did last year. He's also got his own little Devonte comment, like a lot of these guys do. Anybody model your game after? Uh, yeah, I, I watch Devonte Adams a lot. Uh, there you go. So, and the the thing is, a lot of these other guys, they'll say Devonte and like three other guys. George Pickens, who do you model your game? Boom, Devonte. Devonte. Right? He he wanted to say other people, but um, it's just it's just stuff like that. And he's six foot three, one ninety five. One ninety five is not massive, but um, you know. It, it kind of fits a little bit more what the Packers would be looking for, especially that 6'3 thing. You get a really tall guy. The question is, though, what is he going to do in all the other um, drills or whatever? Well, uh, you've got Steve Frederick, UGA wide receiver. George Pickens runs a 4-4-3 on his first 40 attempt. Great time for Pickens. And this is a big thing for George Pickens is he can really, he's one of those guys that can really help his draft stock with some good numbers. A 4-4-3 means this dude is six foot three, 200 pounds, and he's got speed. That's awesome. That's great for him. And he's, he, I mean, we already know he's going to leapfrog uh, Bell and probably a few of these other guys because, again, you know, you don't have blazing speed quite like Jahan or some of these other guys. Actually, he does with Jahan, but not Olave. Um, but at six foot three, he's got an overall composite grade of an eight point four RAS. Uh, the one ninety five isn't great, but obviously six three is fantastic. Four four seven is great, especially at that at that height. It's an eight point one overall. Um, his vert was not very good at thirty three, but he had a great broad jump at ten five, which is an eight point four. Overall, so overall, his composite explosion grade was good. His composite uh, speed grade is good, and his composite size grade is good. And again, 8.4 overall. He didn't do any agility drills, but bottom line is George Pickens needed good numbers. He got good numbers, and that's really going to help his stock a lot. And I think more and more Packer fans are going to start to fall in love with this guy. He's just a great prospect. I have not watched a ton of George Pickens yet. Uh, I watched a little bit yesterday, but I was I was really just wanting to keep up on this news so that I can do this. So I'm going to be doing a little bit more of that, but keep your eye on Pickens as sort of the Amari Rogers of this year. I hate to make that sound negative because nobody likes Amari anymore, but everybody really liked him last year. Everybody wanted the Packers to get him and they did. And it was just a big, exciting thing. George Pickens is kind of that way. By the way, he he's sitting at 51 as of yesterday. We'll see where he ends up. Uh, after that, you got Wandale Robinson. He was sitting at 63. So just in that end of the second round, early third round range, five foot eight, 178. Again, just really, really small. Uh, you got a, a, a quote tweet here from somebody saying all wide receivers listed at five, eight or shorter to record multiple seasons with at least 650 yards since 1990. 
Cole Beasley, the end. He's the only guy that's done it. In other words, he's crossing those lines into he's just too small. It's not good. Um, Wandale Robinson coming in three whole inches shorter than he was listed is not awesome. So he's 5'8". Apparently he was listed at 5'11". So again, a lot of these guys coming in real short. I mean, it's it's not uncommon for guys to come in shorter than what their colleges hyped them up to be, but you got guys three inches shorter. That's terrible. Um, another one says, Wandale Robinson being 5'8 isn't the end of the world. It does, however, bring more ambiguity to his profile, which is not a good thing. Um, the best hit and arguably only hit at that height or lower is basically Jamison Crowder. That was obviously somebody else's take. Now, he did run a 4-4-4 because, again, you got to be fast, but 4-4-4 is bare minimum, right? We're looking at you got to be 4-4-5 at least if you're going to be that that height, but I don't know if that even compensates. 5-8-178 is just too small. I think some of these guys that are just really small are going to fall. Some of them might end up, I mean, the, the odds are because there's so many, one of these guys is going to end up being a good wide receiver. The question is, who is it and how good? And I think some teams, especially the Packers, are probably going to look at it and go, eh, I don't know. Maybe if they fall real far, they'll take a shot. But um, I do think you see a couple of these guys, especially Wandale Robinson, fall um, just again because it's, it's, a little, it's a little much. John Mechie, I don't have anything on other than he was 5'11", 187. Again, just a small dude. I mean, he's, he's above the, the 185 range, but 185 is a, <laughs> I mean, that's like a bare minimum threshold. Again, small dude. We got to see what he's going to be able to do with some of these other numbers because you, you have to be able to do more if you're that size. Uh, Jalen Tolbert, who was sitting at uh, 67 overall, uh, measured in 6'1", 194, 449 speed. Again, is is plenty fast. Um, good composite explosion grade. His agility, he only did a three cone, but it was pretty bad at 708, 441. So he's got almost an eight overall composite grade, which is fine. Don't have any other notes really on Jalen Tolbert, but you have that for him. Then we got our first uh, hype guy in quite a while, Christian Watson, who's ranked at 69 overall. And again, with some of these guys falling, I, I, I have a feeling he's going to go up. Six foot four, 208, 32 and a half inch arms, 10 and an eighth inch hands. The reason there's hype is there is a potential, and some of this is unofficial as of right now. There's a potential. We have a 10 out of 10 as far as his RAS, which obviously as Packer fans, we, we draw a little circle around that. But again, six foot four, two oh eight with four three six speed. You want to talk about a MVS replacement? And again, I, I mentioned it's hard to find these guys. It's hard to find our, uh, MVS replacements. And I'll, I'll probably redo that exercise I did of finding guys that are comps for the guys that might be going away or whatever. But this is it: six foot four with four three six speed. That's that's your MVS right there. Um, he has elite uh, composite speed grade. He has great size. And his explosion grade was fantastic. Elite, in fact, 38 and a half inch vert, which is a 9.04 grade, and an 11.04 broad jump, which is a 9.95. So again, these are unofficial, but he's basically sitting at about a 10. He is an athletic freak. And again, that's Christian Watson, if you want to go check the guy out. Um, man, we got to speed this up here a little bit. Khalil Shakir, uh, six foot 196. Overall, 7.32 uh, grade. He has a 4.43 speed. Again, another guy. There's so much speed in this class, it's stupid. Um, after Khalil, you have uh, Justin Ross sitting at 82 overall. Measured in at six foot four, two oh five, with 11 on the bench, which nobody cares about. But um, big dude, that's it, though. He hasn't tested anything else. After that, you have Sky Moore. Sky Moore came in at 5.10, 195. A lot of stuff on Sky Moore. 
Um, starting off here, it says Western Michigan wide receiver Sky Moore had his hands measured at 10 and a quarter inches. While small hand sizes have been the news of the day, Sky Moore is making waves the opposite direction. 10 and a quarter inch hands are massive, bigger than Traylon Burks, who reportedly needed custom gloves for his hands. Moore is one of the fastest risers in this pre-draft process, and while his hand size isn't everything for any position, it certainly can't hurt having giant mitts. And again, the guy's 5'10". That's the other thing that's crazy. He's got one of the biggest hands of any wide receiver at 5'10", 195. Sky Moore, by the way, ran 4-4-1, so again, plenty of speed. A couple other things that were uh, seen on him. It says, um, Dane Brugler wrote in his combine preview, Sky Moore was running in the low 4-4s during training, which would have been a great number. His first 40 was a 4-3-9 unofficial. Sounds like his official changed, but again, faster than people were expecting for Sky Moore, who seemingly is climbing up the boards here. Um, Daniel Jeremiah says Sky Moore is not getting out of the second round. The tape is too good and he can fly. So again, based on where the composite grade is, He's not a second-round prospect. In fact, he's not even a third-round prospect. Daniel Jeremiah telling us flat out, oh, he's going in the second round for sure. Thor Nystrom went on to say, Sky Moore just made a ton of money. The tape speaks for itself. So um, again, another guy that you would expect that we're clearly we're not really expecting these kinds of numbers. So he's doing much better than, than expected. But uh, finally, Next Gen Stats comes up with a comp here. It says Skymore 5'10", 195, 441, 40'10", 5", broad, 79 production score. Curtis Samuel, 5'11", 196, 431, 9'11", broad, jump 77. So their comp for him is Curtis Samuel. And again, I mean, and, and listen, I, I said some of these guys are going to fall, but these are, you know, you look at a guy like Skymore, everyone's super excited about him. And it's like, yeah, well, is he going to make it to the Packers? Like, yeah, probably in the second round. Then you've got Ty Freifogel, another guy that the Packers have apparently met with. Um, he was listed at 177. Again, I put him on the list only because the Packers met with him. So I figured I should probably put him on there. But Freifogel comes in at six foot one, two hundred five, had four five three speed with elite explosion grades, 39-inch vert and 10-7 broad jump. Uh, Kent Lee Platt goes on to say that is 92nd percentile vert, which is fantastic for Ty. Um, overall, just really impressive numbers. Another guy that they were not really expecting to do quite this well. Kent goes on to say Ty Freifogel is having himself a day right now. So again, another guy that the Packers were planning on meeting with. So that was it. That that was so all Sky Moore is where I ended it because you got the top 100. I added Ty Freifogel because the Packers met with him. But then there's four other guys that were mentioned pretty heavily that I figured I'd better uh, add to. The first is Calvin Austin, and it's really confusing because there's a Calvin Austin and a Kevin Austin, and they were both a ton of tweets coming out at the same time, and I was getting really really confused. But Calvin Austin. Um, just had a flurry of stuff. This is via Ari uh, Mirov. Memphis wide receiver Calvin Austin just ran a 4-3-2 40-yard dash to go along with his 11-foot, 3-inch broad jump. The fans here, yes, there are fans, started clapping after his 40 freak athlete. Again, I don't know what the expectation was, and at, at uh, apparently listed at 5-foot-7, 170 pounds, so really, really small. But you know, if you're looking for a guy that's got numbers outside of that, you're talking about elite explosion, elite speed, and elite agility. He didn't do three cones, so we don't know for sure, but 407 shuttle, 432 40-yard dash, 39-inch vert, 11-3 broad jump. This guy is really short and really small, so he's probably going to go late, but he's got athleticism that is just through the roof. He has a 0.2 height grade and a 0.6 weight grade, still ended up with basically a nine overall RAS. Here's a note on Calvin Austin. It says, um, 
His broad jump ranks 98th percentile. Austin, 5'7", 173. Obviously won't wow you with size, so he needs outstanding athletic testing to make up ground, and this is a fantastic start. He also expects to impress. So he already did that. He impressed with speed. So really wowing a lot of people. Zach Hicks says, Calvin Austin wrecking the combine like expected. Dude is a freak. Then you've got Kevin Austin, who I added to this list. Kevin Austin is not small. Six foot two, 200 pounds, which is a good grade. He has an elite composite explosion grade with 39-inch vert and an 11-foot broad jump. He ran a 4-4-3 40-yard dash, which is an 8.9 overall uh, grade. His shuttle, his, so he has great uh, composite agility grade. His shuttle was a 4-1-5 and his three-cone was a 6-7-1. His overall RAS grade was a 9.9. Couple notes on him. Um, Kevin Austin, wide receiver out of Notre Dame, just jumped 39 inch in the vert and 11 inch in the broad jump. He says Austin Jr. 62215 was the main vertical threat this year for the Irish, and his testing numbers have shown why. His vertical and broad jump both finished above the 90th percentile and showed how good of an athlete he is. With a really solid finish to the week, Austin Jr. could make himself a lot of money and solidify himself as a pick on day two. So again, another guy that he was not even in the top 100 according to a lot of the composite boards, now being talked about as a potential second or third round prospect. And again, the Packers could get a guy with, you know, four, three speed at six foot one or whatever, you know, a bunch of different options here, size and speed combinations. And we're talking second round, third round, maybe even beyond that. Another guy that got added to the list here is um, Alec Pierce. By the way, just for the record, uh, Calvin Austin was ranked 118th, Kevin Austin 437th. Now, again, a lot of these are just because guys just, they don't know what they're looking at. They're just putting together boards, and they do these top 500 boards, and so you get one guy that puts them at 500th, well, that's going to hurt them because they don't know what they're even looking at. But this is the kind of thing that puts you on the map, and suddenly you're a second or third round prospect. Alec Pierce is at 102. So some of these guys at Calvin Austin, Alec Pierce, were close to cracking the top 100, but not quite out of, out of Cincinnati here. But Alec Pierce is another guy that really impressed with uh, pretty much everything except his agility, but a 9.79 overall RAS, six foot three, 211 pounds, runs a 4.33. Again, another guy, six foot three, running in the 4.3, low 4.3s. The amount of guys, if the Packers want a new MVS, the amount of guys that you can just reach out and grab. Like, there's like one for half the league. <laughs> half the league can draft an MVS this year. It's stupid. Again, that doesn't necessarily factor into play. I understand all those things, but it's it really is impressive just the amount of of rare talent that there is, right? It's it's things that are incredibly rare are just not very rare this year. Final guy, um, this is uh, Ty Thornton is the the final guy that I added to my list here. Daniel Jeremiah took some time out to tweet about him. Tyquan Thornton, four two one forty time now. My understanding right now is that his number is sitting at 428. I don't know exactly what the official, 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 or when the total, complete, real official numbers are going to come out and, and what he's going to be able to do at his pro day, whatever. But bottom line is when you have a guy that even for a split second broke the fastest time of 422, that's really impressive. So he turned a lot of heads. He's six foot two, 181 pounds. So he's not a small guy either. Again, Tyquan Thornton, name that nobody really has heard a ton about. Currently ranked 200th overall. So we're talking day three pick, right? Just ran a four. He runs in the four twos at six foot two. So this is like MVS on crack. 
literally, because he, he runs like he's on crack. I mean, 6'2 is not exactly MVS height, but 6'2 is not small. 6'2 running in the 4'2s is stupid, and this guy is not going to go probably in the, in the second or third round. It's just crazy. And this is just a handful of guys that I that I highlighted. There's probably several that I missed. So um, anyways, I really got to get up out of here. I... Um, well, and I don't need to elaborate. I got to go. But that is what we've got so far for the Combine. It was a great first day of, of testing. It really gave me a ton of hope and excitement about the prospects of the Packers getting really talented wide receivers and tight ends in this class because it's so deep. They don't have to take a guy in the first, second round, maybe even third round, and and, and can still find these sort of athletic freaks that the Packers covet so much. Really tall, fast guys really strong guys. Whatever they're looking for, it's there. But um, anyways, you guys have yourselves a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.